Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Behind the Line series where I'm joined by a journalist of the opposition to get a feel around where we stand against our opponents. And it is so far Arsenal's biggest game of the season. Of course, the North London derby taking place on Sunday. I'm very happy today to be joined by Football London's Tottenham Hotspur correspondent, Alistair Gold. How you doing, mate? Are you well? I'm well, yes. Just returned from Wolverhampton where Tottenham finally started to show some signs of life again. So, Damn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what effect that has. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, probably a good place to start, to be honest. And I was going to ask you, obviously, during the game, take a two-goal lead, get pegged back, and then squeeze through on penalties. How important do you think that progression was for, for the game on Sunday? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, really, for Tottenham is that they remembered how to attack, which is always helpful in football matches. Um, mm. They just seem to have struggled in the early kind of Nuno's Puerto Santo matches, just being quite defensively solid not being able to like create too many chances, a little bit Mourinho-esque. Then they had those two disastrous games against Palace and Chelsea where they just shipped goals, you know, three in each mm. match. Um, so, you know, there were murmurs as fans getting frustrated and worried that, you know, is this just another kind of Mourinho? And then last night there was plenty of positive signs going forward. A lot of the players linking up, even Ali and Kane linking up again. Um, Brian Hill, actually, a young 20-year-old Spaniard, uh, played very well as well. I do wonder whether he's put himself in the line, you know, in, in the, in with a shot on Sunday as well now. Um, it was just much better. It just They needed a performance like that. Yes, there was some silly stuff at the back, but Tottenham just do that. That's what they do. <laughs> you know it's going to come. Um, oh, and that's probably where... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And probably, that's probably where his main decisions will lie, I think, though, on Sunday is that defence... I think when it comes down to obviously Arsenal, they have lacked goals, um, to be honest, this season. So going, it could be a weird situation of cancelling each other out, I suppose. It's it's a strange derby because Arsenal find themselves off the back of two league wins after an awful start and Spurs find themselves off the back of two league defeats after a really good start. So is there any logical way to try and call this ahead of time? Oh, it's a North London derby. <laughs> There's nothing logical about it. I suppose Spurs fans would say, as it's at the Emirates, you know, they don't expect much. They just don't. Whatever form both teams go into it, for some reason on the whole, Arsenal always have the upper hand. They do. And obviously, you've got the fans back as well. That's going to play a big part. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they're just weird game. I, I kind of, I, I'd probably say I never really enjoy hugely reporting on them, which is maybe a strange thing to say because they're such mm. big games. But they're always kind of these nervy stalemate affairs on the whole, decided often by maybe one good goal or something. Often, you know, like the 5-4, you know, the Arsenal one, I remember in Martin Joel's time, that, that's a rarity. You know, you don't really get that in these games. They're often really cagey. They're decided maybe by even a refereeing decision that's a bit ropey as well. Um, and I think it'll be one of those. I mean, can you imagine nil-nil North London derby? It's the scary thing is, I think, like you say, both sides are taxed right now. Mm. It's kind of pointing towards that, although maybe their defences will have other ideas. True. I mean, Arsenal's defence has been much more solid. I mean, you take away the, the Manchester City drubbing, but we did have Kalasnach playing in a back three. So there is, there is always a factor going against that. But Arsenal, of course, have now 
built kind of that back four with Ramsdale behind Tomiyasu, Gabriel, uh, alongside the likes of Ben White coming in and, and Kieran Tierney. But as you say, the other end of the pitch is where big questions are. Spurs this season, there, there seems to have been a bit of a cloud hanging over the start of the campaign, obviously with Harry Kane's kind of future at the centre of, of every story coming out of Tottenham. But that goal that he got last night, do you think... Had he not have got that goal, it could have been a concern. And do you think this could be kind of the catalyst moving forwards for him for his season? Yeah, maybe. He's been he's been poor. He's been mm. poor since he's come back. He's looked at a shadow of himself. He hasn't looked particularly sharp or fit. Last night was a proper Harry Kane goal. You know, taking the ball in his stride, you know, running into the air and really confident pulling it away. He put his penalty in the shootout away really confidently. I don't have to explain to you guys what he does in North London derbies. <laughs> that, that's you know, you know he's probably going to turn up. Um, mm. Whether that results in a win is another thing for Tottenham, but he does normally show up for these games. Um, you know, he was poor against Chelsea, so it's not in every derby. Certainly not. He was very, very poor against Chelsea the other day. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think just getting the feeling of a really good striker's goal kind of under his belt again. Um, he had a few chances. His movement was better. Um, he's had God, five, maybe five games under Nuno now. He should be at the point where he's starting to hit his rhythm, really. Um, and obviously, Spurs fans will be hoping that's on Sunday. Mm, yes, and we won't be. Uh, it's probably fair <laughs> to say. Um Obviously, a new manager, a new season brings with it unpredictability. Uh, I was, from an Arsenal perspective, really surprised when when it was Nuno that was announced as coach. And as as we've kind of already talked about, it was a, it was a juxtaposed season in the first five games. Three really kind of good starters and then two really awful <laughs> displays. And do you think those two displays have, have highlighted any of the weaknesses that there was from a lot of kind of the, the media speculation and kind of criticism around that appointment at the start of the campaign? Yeah, it's it was such a weird kind of managerial mess for Spurs over the whole thing. I mean, for anyone that isn't aware, essentially they were looking for an attacking coach for a long time. Mm. Then they yeah. had a change at the top with a new managing director of football, Fabio Paratici, coming in. And he kind of wanted someone a little bit different. Mm. Um, this is despite Daniel Levy having promised to the fans of a really attacking coach. So, obviously, they went for Nuno, who is, you know... Not that. Yes, it's like, he's not that. <laughs> he's not that, yeah. I mean, to put it simply, he's not that. I mean, he has shown that he can adapt. And that was how I'm told that Levy was convinced that he was shown uh, Nuno's Valencia team which was quite an attacking team, a, a more kind of a 4-3-3, and they went for a lot of games. And he was told that he would bring that to Spurs. And and to be fair, you know, essentially, certainly against Man City in the first match, while they had a shaky first 20 minutes, there were a, there was a lot of attacking endeavour. They did. They tried to counter. There was a lot of... The football that, you know, Spurs did well under Pochettino, which was getting up the pitch quickly, breaking and, and scoring goals. Um, yeah, what's happened since hasn't been that. I'd say last night was the first glance we kind of saw a more attacking Tottenham. Um, it's just very much a team in transition. You know, people around Wolves will say, if you take last season out of it at Wolves, they had some good football. There was some really good football on time at times. Yeah. You know, obviously, he was more of a, a back three man um, at Wolves. But uh, I think it'll come. I think it'll come. A lot of the players seem to re be responding well to him, and that's key for anyone trying to build something. He's, you know, he's reintegrating uh, Tongi on the ballet now, who had a funny game last night. He was mm. 
fantastic going forward, scored a really nice goal, but was at fault for both of Wolves' goals. Um, it was a weird performance, but if he plays, then he'll have made four starts in a row for Spurs, which he hasn't done for a long time. And if he can get these better, more attacking players on the pitch, then you know, then it won't be the, the terrible football that I think some Spurs fans are worried about. The the interesting kind of thing about Spurs is there, I suppose, the unpredictability of, of team selection at times, the suspension to Yafit Tanganga in the Palace game, him now being available. But of, of course, you had the likes of Christian Romero unavailable and, and Davison Sanchez due to the whole uh, isolation. Not isolation, that makes it sound so lonely. Quarantine is the better way <laughs> to put it. Isolation. Um, but that, that kind of period as well. Do you, with kind of Davison Sanchez, Tanganga, Romero all back and available, we assume, do you think that leaves them much more kind of secure defensively ahead of facing Arteta's new 4-3-3 system? You'd hope so. I mean, there's Eric Dyer as well. and He's actually had a pretty good start to the season as well. Um, the problem is almost, I don't know, he's almost got too much choice now. And I don't think he, I think he needs to settle on a back four, Nuno. He's kind of, with the Romero being stuck in Croatia with Sanchez, you know, it kind of messed up. He was going pretty much with Sanchez and Dyer for the first three games, and the three clean sheets that did very well. Romero and Sanchez obviously went away, uh, had to like, quarantine in Croatia, and he played, I think it was Roden, uh, no, sorry, Tanganga and Dyer, it was. Uh, and then against Chelsea, kind of Romero, okay, it was just, it's been messy since. They haven't really been able to find that solid, uh, reliable, consistent back forward. I think as soon as he does that, with yeah. his history, they should be fine. But Arsenal might be might be getting them at a good time when he still hasn't exactly worked out what his best back four is because they got even Emerson Royale's coming at right back, and he he's going to take time to find his feet as well. I wonder whether we'll see Tanganga at right back just to offer that more defensive kind of outlet there. Yeah, that that kind of led into my next question was about Emerson because of course Arsenal fans researched Emerson like crazy over the summer because he, as Arsenal fans do when any player and, and almost every player gets linked to the club, but Emerson was one of those as Arsenal targeted a right back. We ended up with Tommy Asu and from an Arsenal perspective and be very much integrated with the, with the Arsenal fans, Arsenal fans have been pretty comically amused at some of the displays from Emerson so far and the, the classic kind of, oh, we made the right choice. And obviously that leads to uh, the irony when he turns around and, and smacks in a hat-trick on Sunday if he plays, obviously. But uh, are you concerned by what you've seen so far or do you simply think it is a, a simple case of transition time? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's like Spurs were kind of really hot on Tommy Asu for a long, long time. Yeah. In the summer. Yeah. And both clubs ended up kind of swapping at the last minute. Um, Emerson, everything I was told about him before he came has pretty much been borne out so far. He's very raw. He's very young. He's very much still learning the game. The season at Betis was probably the last one was his best season. Um, um, and funnily enough, you know, I think he kind of came with this, almost people saying, and even Nuno has been calling him an attacking right back. But all of his stats and everyone that watched him in Spain said, actually, He's probably better defensive-wise. Technique-wise, when he actually gets over the halfway line, he's maybe not as good as people think he's going to be, purely because he's like a Brazil international. Um, So, yeah, I haven't really made my mind up on it yet. He's only had the two appearances. There's been moments when he's done really well. In both first halves against Palace and Chelsea, he was really good. In both second halves, he really kind of wasn't. (laughs) He really wasn't at all. He had some moments where he looked really exposed. 
Um, but again, a lot of that comes with playing in an unfamiliar back four. It's having the right side of centre back, not being able to cover you, or one of the defensive midfielders coming across to help out. I think as soon as they start gelling, he'll be a different prospect. I mean, Spurs have got some very varied right back options. They've got Tanganga, who's clearly more of a defensive, also can be a centre back. Um, which weirdly, I think if Spurs had got Tommy Asu, I think Tanganga maybe would have been a bit of trouble. You know, it's a similar mm-hmm. kind of player, similar versatile player. And I understand that. I think as soon as Tanganga, you know, especially that brilliant performance he had against Man City, I think that Spurs started to veer away from the Tommy Asu type. Um, so, yeah, that would be quite interesting to see kind of if Emerson plays, you will maybe get a direct kind of comparison of the two players and who did get the better deal. But uh, I do wonder. I do, although saying that, Emerson wasn't even in the squad last night, so it might be that he's preparing him for Sunday. But mm. personally, I'd probably go with Tanganga. Just before I ask you, uh, and I'm going to be really mean soon and ask you for a prediction, which is in the impossible to call game. Uh, the other player um, that has had a bit of a revival, of course, is Deli Alley. Left that in the cold yeah. by Jose Mourinho, um, brought back in initially, I suppose, by Ryan Mason, um, and then and now being kind of carried that through with Nuno. It was this just a simple case? Is it surprised you how much he's come back, or did you think it was you know as soon as he got played, he was always going to go onto that trend again? I think what surprised me mainly has been the very different role he's been in. You know, he's been more of a kind of a number eight. Um, he's been Nuno's brought him in, and obviously with a four-three-three, a four-three-three naturally wouldn't fit Deli Ali. But what he's done is he's taken him and decided, well, if I play you on the left of a midfield three, when we're kind of in possession, you can get up the pitch really quickly and make it a four-two-three-one, and it it's it's worked at times. Um, you know, Delhi will tell you, and he has, that he can play that role. He can play kind of a box-to-box role. Mm. And what was important for Delhi was that there was a lot of accusations last season, especially anyone that saw the Amazon documentary, that he was a lazy trainer. That was what Mourinho called him. And, and you know, and others have said it in the past, that maybe training isn't his greatest moment. Um, but he went away in the summer, went to a, like a training complex in Dubai um, and really got himself super fit. And it, we've we've seen that. He has. He's been one of Spurs' fittest players. He's not as dangerous as he was. He's not in mm. that role behind Kane anymore. And you are taking away a lot of his threat in that regard. Um, but, you know, he played a lovely through ball to Kane last night. So he can still do it from a, a deeper kind of position. Um but I think Spurs on Sunday will need players like Delhi. People that know what this match is about. It's a very different team with a lot of new faces in there. And I think for Delhi, yeah, he's someone that, you know, he, he knows what it's needed to win a, a game like this and what you what you have to put in, especially. You know, anyone that doesn't give their 100%, you, you're just a passenger in a match like this. You really are. So, yeah, it's uh, some of the fans haven't been blown away because of this different role. I think that often happens. When players are playing in deeper positions, you don't get to see the highlight reels. You don't get to see the wonderful things they do in and around the box. But I think a lot of people may be overlooking a lot of the hard work he puts in. So, uh, yeah, be interested to see what impact he can have on Sunday. Right, we've got to the moment where I've got to push you for a, a prediction. Um, it is the impossible game to call, but what's your feeling? Uh, the Emirates for Spurs, it's always either a defeat or a draw, other than the Kabul, Kabul winner, the headed winner. I remember that one. And was that Redknapp? That was that long ago. 
You won a League um, Cup game, I think, as well, a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, there was a League Cup game, yes, quite right. Yeah. Um, but in the Premier League, it's normally an Arsenal win or a draw, so I think probably positive for Spurs would probably be a 1-1 like, a draw. Fair enough. I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic and and sneak a 2-1 win um, and hope that defence stays strong. I was tempted to go over clean sheet, but then I remember that Harry Kane exists and, and always yes. scores... Against There's us. normally a penalty, isn't there, involving Harry Kane? Yeah, I can't remember the last derby the way there wasn't a penalty, to be honest. And <laughs> The thing for Arsenal is, with Granite Xhaka coming back from off a three-match suspension, I mean, Spurs fans must be celebrating at the idea that Granite Xhaka's <laughs> back off a three-match suspension because a lot of Arsenal fans have been hoping to see a, a partnership of Lokonga and, and Partey together. But with Xhaka back, Arteta loves him. And so if he does return, I do have a few concerns uh, about not over the not just the turnover in play but obviously the, the discipline side of his game in a, in a highly tense intensified derby with Craig Pawson of all people in charge uh, who famously sent off David Luiz against Wolves for that ridiculous touch of the knee <laughs> against William Jose's heel um, anyway thank you Alistair for coming on uh, this afternoon do put, tell people where they can find you I can't promise that many Arsenal fans will follow you um, <laughs> but do tell people <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm I, I'm everywhere. I seem to be everywhere. You can find me on football.london or, or Twitter, all over the place. We've got a podcast as well. But like you say, I can't imagine many Arsenal fans would get too much of a thrill out of it all. But, you know, you never know. Oh, if we win, they might. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. There is that. Anyway, thank you ever so much, people, for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this small preview behind enemy lines ahead of the North London Derby. If you have, please do drop a subscription to the channel and drop a like on the video. And you can, of course, find all of our build-up articles over, as Alistair says, on football.london. Uh, so we will see you again very, very soon. In fact, we're joining you straight after uh, the game for the match reaction show. Fingers crossed. Um, and uh, we'll wait and see what happens happens in the impossible to call game see you soon and keep following us down the arsenal way